0: um i'm doing good boys how you guys doing good good how was the uh honeymoon oh man st lucia man it's uh it's a hell of an island man it's it's uh it's got everything right there on the island it's very volcanic and uh it's just one of the most beautiful places ever every single picture we took just looked extremely fake that's the only way i can describe it
1: what you guys doing for um like aquatic activities? You guys do any scuba diving or anything like that? Or snorkeling? Uh,
0: no, no no scuba, but we did snorkeling. We did a sailboat ride. We did the mud bass at the volcano. And then we did, a, we did a, like a, a jazz cruise, which was great times. How is the food out there? Well, the resort we were staying at brings in chefs from I guess, I mean, I guess they bring them in from all over the country because it's a UK uh, island, so I'm sure they bring them from the UK yep. and the United States. Um, but it was amazing, man. It's like five full blown five star resort. So everything there was just a notch above, you know, anything else I've ever been to. That's awesome.
1: Well, yeah. hopefully it's the only honeymoon, honeymoon that you celebrate.
0: So it's craziest part is that craziest part is my flight got canceled. So I got stuck on the island and the only airport or the only uh, hotel by the airport is like two and a half hours away. So it was a hell of a last day, but I got to stay an extra night and enjoy it. So.
1: Uh, Yeah, they didn't want to let you go. (laughs) They like me there. So, guys, not a lot of um, NFL news. Certainly not uh, what we've been acquainted to. Things coming fast and furious at the beginning of free agency and trading. Um, I guess we had the small trade with the Devontae Parker going to um, the Pats and then the what was it the Saints and the Eagles kind of going full startup draft, startup dynasty draft with their uh, trades for this year and next year? That was that was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, even uh, even the NFL teams know that the twenty
1: three picks are better than the twenty two. Absolutely. Now the interesting piece, and I don't, I'm not, I don't. My game plan's not to scare Turtle right off the bat, but I have read, and you guys may have read as well, that the uh, the extra draft capital that the saints traded for now enables them to shoot up the draft board. If they want to go get a QB, if they fall in love with pre-draft strange to me, because I don't know, you got Winston there. It's not like he did bad last year. He won you a few ball games before he got hurt. He's a previous first overall pick. Um, But yeah, you never know with, with things like that. That was, that was the kind of knee jerk reaction I, I saw from, you know, the talking heads on TV, was that that gave the Saints the flexibility to do what they wanted this draft? I don't know if you guys read the same or if you have any thoughts around that.
0: I read about it. I I don't I don't see them doing it. I mean, Jameis is going to be healthy, hopefully. Hopefully his ACL is rehabbed all the way. So he could be good for the beginning of the season. Um, And you know what? I think if they do draft a quarterback with the earlier draft picks, I think Winston's going to have to get traded, right? Why would you keep both of them on your roster?
1: Yeah, oh, or or it's a redshirt season for the rookie and Jameis is still good to go this year, potentially, and then, you know, makes the rotation out next offseason. I yeah. don't know that any of the QBs in this crop are going to be day one starters, um, unless you're the rookie that lands in uh, Seattle or potentially Carolina. Or, Mm. I mean, I even say, like, I think Trubisky gets the start, but maybe potentially you you land in Pittsburgh and you have a chance to beat out Trubisky. But those are really the three destinations I see. If a rookie goes to, in the first or second round, we in the Superflex Dynasty community should perk our heads up um, and, and maybe slide them up the draft boards when it comes to the rookie draft. Yeah, Those what about
0: Atlanta? You, you think that Mariota is definitely going to be starting for the Atlanta Falcons, or is that just a... No, that's actually that's
1: a good point. I think that's probably synonymous with um, Trubisky and the the Steelers situation. I'd say um, the Falcons, that just slipped my, my mind. Yeah, that's that's. I think the,
2: the the Falcons are so bad, though, that drafting a quarterback this year would be in no one's best interest. I mean, they're not going to win, and developing a quarterback behind. Uh, a questionable offensive line with zero talent around him. I I think the Falcons are better off building the talent and drafting in the 23 class when they probably have, you know, a top five
1: pick. Oh, I certainly, you got to think top five pick with them. (laughs) Honestly, um, I think the, the quarterbacks in this class, I don't think it's inflammatory to say they pale in comparison to the the top two talent that we'll see in 23. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk around Bijan Robinson, but if these QBs uh, at Ohio Ohio State and Bama, yeah, with Bryce Young there, if they have another good year, they might just be the smart 101-102 pick in, in Dynasty, just because it's great to have an RB at the top, it's good to have a generational talent, and it might be hard not to pick him if if he stays well and performs well and tests well at the combine. But best case scenario, what do you really expect out of an RB? Five to six years? If you have a quarterback, you might have them for two and a half times that. You might have them for 15 years or more, especially these yeah. kids coming out at, at 21 years old if they're elite and starting right from the right off the jump. So yeah, you're things right. to think about. We'll, we'll talk more about um as as things happen in the NFL draft, if, if things become clear with the visits that are taking place, um you know, Traylon Burks visiting certain uh teams versus Garrett Wilson versus Drake London. If we can kinda talk about those in a show leading up to it, it makes sense for us to keep that in mind. However, For this particular show, we got a few things we want to step through. So overview of what we'll go through. We want to talk a few trades off the jump that we'll break down. Um, And then there's going to be two of those. Uh, It's going to be a surprise, Brian and Turtle. I I didn't have you prep for this because I just wanted kind of off-the-cuff remarks. And then the second of the two trades is an RB1. It will slide us right into the main part of the show, which is going to be our Dynasty Top 12 RB Breakdown, so the RB1s. Um, And there's certainly not everything agreeable. Um, We we did this in, um, you know, in a vacuum and then shared our results. And then we have our individual and our consensus that we'll share with you. And then if time allows, we'll start stepping through or continue to step through the um, division by division team needs as we lead up to the draft, what, what position on the offensive side of the ball we expect teams to go with and with that information you might want to say okay this can elevate the stock of this person I'm scared might get competition or go the inverse if if we think they're definitely going to go a certain position and you've got a guy in that position on the team now and you're worried maybe you don't like the player as much as you thought you did and you can look into selling that player so to start let's start with the the QB trade turtle that that you particularly did in the league Um, you gave up Justin Fields, you parachuted out of the, the, the stinky, rotten Chicago Bears situation. Uh, you went for Daniel Jones, and you got the 102. I'm thinking the 102 is probably weighs a lot more heavily in that trade than Daniel Jones. But break it down for us. What was going through your mind, and how do you feel about it when the dust has settled? What is it now, 24 hours later?
0: Yeah, like you said um, in the chat, you know, it was just a savvy move. I was definitely lacking quarterback depth. And um, I think this gives me the best position to really make an impact in my quarterback room because I'll have Daniel Jones, I'll have Jameis Winston, I'll have Baker if he ever goes to a team. And then I could either, you know, grab Malik Willis or whoever the quarterback that I choose fit for my team will be uh, in the rookie draft, or I could pivot and take the second best player in the uh, rookie draft, you know. So I'm not even really dead set on taking a quarterback. Um, At the 102 if something miraculous happens, Um, you know, because I mean, Jesse, Jesse might change his tune and be like, hey, I'm taking Malika Willis 101. That just leaves me Brees Hall at 102. So like either way, I feel like it sets me up um, for success.
1: Yeah, it's a good it's 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 not a bad spot to be in. Um, I don't know, Brian. You weren't a big fan of Fields. I don't know, as a Giants fan, how you feel about Jones, but when you consider Jones in the 102, does um, Turtle get better or or, or weaken his position? In your opinion,
2: um, I think that it is certainly a uh, it's a risky play by Turtle, in my opinion. Right? I mean, despite uh, Fields maybe not being the guy uh long term i i think he probably even though the reports were like yeah this might be the last year he probably had one to two years of run room um you know and and if he hits then it's you know then it's it's you know sort of the ceiling for him you know five year six year seven year however long yeah um you know jones i think is challenged in that he is the draft pick of a previous administration like top to bottom brand new administration there GM head coach they seem to be doing the and saying the right things to build around him for this season and maybe they do believe in him as a player but I think equally uh, equally as likely that Giants just have another bad season and you see them in the contention for one of the top QBs in next year's draft class so you know I, I don't know it could work out um if Dable comes in and he's really a QB whisperer and Daniel Jones all of a sudden becomes you know not let's not say Josh Allen but you know uh in four months, Josh Allen discount Josh. I'll be Allen. happy
0: with the top with the top 20 quarterback in Daniel Jones
2: yeah, I, I I just don't know if a top twenty quarterback in Daniel Jones gets you more than one season out of him, right? Yeah, maybe uh, not. Maybe not. So I, I don't know. And and one oh two I think is great, right? If you can grab Malik and he works out, then it you know, you'll you'll look look in arrears and you'll be like, All right, I, I was happy with that. But equally as likely he doesn't play uh, first season. He doesn't pan out in anything and you know Brees Hall ends up in a timeshare somewhere for the next three seasons. Then what?
1: I will say if if Justin Fields crashes and burns, probably no matter what happens on the Jones and 102 side, it, it will probably be good. Um, yeah. So the, the next trade will break down was one that I did. It was an RB for RB. Draft pick involved as well. I moved away Antonio Gibson and the handcuff share at Pat- Patterson. For Nick Chubb, I already uh, rostered De'arnest Johnson, um, and I also picked up a 2023 first, and I think I gave away a 2023 second, if I'm not mistaken. I think I just dropped yeah. down one round. Yeah, that um, was the dream. So for me personally, the way the way that I saw it, um, and I think it's it's kind of important for for those listening to kind of step through is is Gibson probably presents the higher ceiling. Now, if you just say, okay, well, Gibson has a higher ceiling, Chubb's still a good RB, but you got a 23 pick. Okay, I get why you made the trade. still want to break it down a little bit further than that. Chubb was the RB11 last year. He missed a few games. There was COVID and I think some other issue where he, he missed one or two games. Um had 205 total points and half-point BPR. Gibson, again, with all his issues and the shin and, and everything else, finished as the RB10 with three more points. But when you break it down by um, average points per game, Chubb finished as the RB10 with about 14.7 points per game. Antonio Gibson, again, playing through the injuries, so you might want to caveat it, finish as the RB19 in points per game, low-end RB2 or mid-range RB2 at 13 points. When I, when I ran those numbers, I was a little surprised. Um, and then when I started to project, because initially I had Gibson higher than Chubb, but that was before the Deshaun Watson trade. So when I started to think about how uh, Deshaun Watson coming in could make the offense more efficient, And and what I mean by efficient is just moving the offense up and down the field, giving opportunities, even not projecting Chubb to have more pass catching, but to have more red zone opportunities and converting a few of those trips into more yards, more touchdowns. I think sure there's going to be a spread in the offense, but just being in the red zone more and being the big guy that they use on the line um, could be beneficial. I, I wasn't, thinking it's out of the realm of possibility that Chubb could have a top five season similar to, and I hate to throw it around, like a Derrick Henry light. You know, I, I, if you're talking runners, they're, they're equally as good between the tackles. They're equally good vision. They're equally good breakaway speed. You, you see Chubb, he doesn't get caught by safeties. If he's in, he's in the open field, he's quick. He's not one of those, RBs who are going to get chased down from behind he can break the long one but I think he struggled in the Baker led offense and to put Watson at the helm even if there's four games six games off um, with Mayfield still on the roster or Brissett it's like okay from a dynasty perspective um, I was worried about Gibson for two main reasons one that McKissick came back and that's going to limit his ceiling in the pass catching department. So it's like, how different really is Nick Chubb and Antonio Gibson? Um, You know, 20 catches a game at half point PPR, we're talking 10 points, right? So the real thing that scared me, and I don't know if we'll come to fruition this draft, but something is just was nagging at me as the Antonio Gibson owner that Washington just really doesn't, believe in him and it's crazy to say because they don't have a lot of draft capital this draft so it pro- it may, may may not happen this draft but man i just don't see them looking at antonio gibson as the guy or they would have done it already he's finished his rookie season and sophomore season very very commendable stat lines effort everything they just won't give him the passing down work if you are an antonio gibson owner from this past season I can't imagine the things you thought with his 45, 50, 60% snap rates in critical games, uh, drives, or, or, or parts of the game where it was high leverage situations, and he's on the sideline, Patterson's in there, or McKissick is in there around the goal line. It was just so frustrating.
0: Mm.
1: So when I try to project, you know, uh, if this running back class is not elite on talent. But it is very deep in terms of guys who could be role players. The the Jamal Williams type players of the world won't light you on fire. But if one of those goes in there and is a Sony Michelle type level, like I just didn't like it. I was getting the heebie-jeebies around it. So um, I could totally be wrong. Gibson could be fine for the next two to three years. But I think Chubb is built like he could be good for the next two to three years with, with Watson around. So I think their their timelines are the same. You knock in the 23 first. That's what I went with. Guys, I'll hand it over to you because we're going to talk about each of those running backs respectively in our ranks. But just breaking down the trade, would you have done it? Um, did you like it? Did you not like it?
0: I, I love that trade for you because I know you were getting really nervous with the whole McKissick leaving and then re-signing, it confused everybody. We all wanted to see Gibson get the full workload. But with him coming back, it's just, we know it's not going to be a possibility at this point. I mean, or else they would have just let McKissick walk. Yeah. Um, So I think that scared you away. You obviously were scared about Terry as well. So you just had zero faith in the Washington football team commanders, Redskins, whatever you want to call them, um, their whole organization. So you got out and you uh, you got some very good, assets back
1: yeah i
2: i i think it was a fair trade um i i honestly don't i I don't necessarily agree with the upside that you see on chubb um and and there's there's a couple reasons for that you know one um i think that uh what we're forgetting is that Deshaun is equally as likely to be a red zone weapon himself as Chubb. Sure, you may get uh, some some more efficiency getting to the red zone in the first place, which you know may benefit Chubb, but I think it's going to be equaled out by, uh, by what Deshaun ultimately takes for himself in the red zone. I mean, you look back at, I think it was 2019 or 2020, he had eight Eight red zone rushing touchdowns himself, right? Mm-hmm. Five per year, which you know Baker hasn't had more than three, and that was in his rookie season. Besides that, he's just taken one. So I think that that positive touchdown equity that you think Chubb's going to get is is actually going to be is uh, is is going to be negated by what Watson himself takes. Um, you know, I I I think that the more likely scenario is. Watson is suspended for the first six games of the year. Chubb goes absolutely bonkers because he's the only person that they are going to be able to rely upon in that offense. Baker's I I, I can't see Baker playing. Yeah. Um, and Brissette throwing
1: Cooper doesn't feel dangerous,
2: right? And and uh, you know you're you're gonna pull a pull a Jocks and you're gonna trade him to some sucker who. Pays for him at his high point.
0: Won't be me. Will not be me.
2: Oh man, Terrell, don't rule yourself out. <laughs> That—that's my call. I think he's going to go eight shit at the beginning of the year, and he'll tail off at the end. And, th- and
0: that's—that's if—that's if Watson is suspended at the beginning of the season. If not, then then maybe it's a different story. But that's a solid analysis, BD. And you got to—you can't forget that they also have. Uh, Kareem Hunt, who was hurt last year. So he's going to take some of those targets as well, at least the passing, the passing down. uh, But, but I,
2: I, I will reiterate, I think it was a fair trade. I think that Gibson is not the passing down back that everybody wants him to be, which makes him,
1: it makes him a lot more like Chubb at the end of the day. Yes. He still presents the, the unknown, um, which in the dynasty community represents some value. Each owner will will weigh it differently. Depends how risk-averse or tolerant you are. So, you know, because we saw the part of Antonio Gibson down the stretch where the shin looked like it was getting better, McKissick had the concussion, and he had a few, you know, games where he went ape. There were others, when you look at that stretch, though, where he was putting out, you know an eight-point fantasy performance with the backfield to himself. It was just how much of it was Taylor Heineke, how much of it was just the offensive line or just his ability as a running back, you know, as, as, hey, he's learning the position, he's converted. He might not have the vision of someone like Chubb who, you know, if you're out of the Georgia program or the Alabama program, you know, you've been playing that position and you've been being coached at the college level, um, to be the best in the world. Like if you're running back out of the, one of those programs, so there could be some just limitations there that, Hey, if he breaks through, there's some value to having that guy, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. It will certainly be interesting, um, in terms of how that potentially makes or breaks my season, obviously, Again, the 23 pick is nice, but that doesn't do anything for you in 2022. Yeah, and when. Fi- final thought, right? I mean, Wentz is not traditionally a check
2: down guy either, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that's fair, right? Um, you really didn't see Taylor getting all that many dump offs. You know, he he might have caught as many passes as Chubb or just a, a bit more. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he didn't feel like he, he, he you know, caught 50 balls or something like that. Yep. All right, so we're talking running backs. Let's stick with that. Um, We, as I said, each made our top 12, and then we have a consensus ranking. Uh, It's very easy off the beginning, and we were just talking about this player, Jonathan Taylor. RB1, Tyler. RB1, Matt. RB1, Brian. RB1, consensus overall. Uh, We're not, you know, putting our necks out very far by saying that. Now, with that said what is his range this year in terms of obviously we know he can be the RB1 overall. We just saw it, but you know, what, what does a bad season look like? You know, I I feel you rank someone like him because historically that's how you rank CMC there as well was, Hey, even if this team sucks, if they have a bad year, he is still going to be um, someone with, uh, a very low ability to drop out of that top. What is it? Six, eight, ten, twelve. What do you What do you guys think in terms of that?
0: I think the first number's correct. I think six. I don't think you see him finishing anything above RB six.
1: Anywhere below? Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere
0: below.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm. I, I. I think his production is fairly safe. Um, you know, to where, uh, Wentz was not necessarily the. Checkdown guy with Indianapolis, uh, Matt Ryan has has historically dumped off passes to his running back. So, you know, although there's reports of Naeem Hines taking uh, taking a little bit more uh, out of the offense, right? I mean, I think maybe that might equate to like 30 touches potentially mm-hmm. for for Jonathan Taylor, and you know, I, I don't think that that's going to take him out of the top even the top three running back that consideration, I think he's, he's fairly locked in.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't got much to say. He's an elite talent. He's um, I I think the quarterback, I don't know if you call it an upgrade, but, but I think piggybacking on BD's point, certainly one who's uh, a bit more apt to check it down. So, you know, at least he's got a safe floor uh, in the passing department. All right, the overall Consensus RB2 Dynasty ranking, we have Najee Harris. That was Tyler's RB2, my RB2, and Brian, your RB4. Um, So why don't you take it first with why you um, think he's he's four?
2: Yeah, so I think he is a – first off, I think he's a prime regression candidate for – um, the check down passes that he got from Ben Roethlisberger last year. I mean, he just saw a an absolutely insane number of targets from mm-hmm. Roethlisberger that I, I I don't think can be sustained or, or will be sustained, right? Um, so I think first off, he's going to lose a lot of those touches. I mean, I, I really look at Najee Harris as being Saquon Barkley 2.0. Right, His rookie season, Saquon, was absolutely insane because he was getting all of the dump-off passes from Eli. And, you know, after that, his efficiency went way, way down because the uh, the Giants' offensive line just continued to be absolute garbage. Uh, Pittsburgh's offensive line continues to be absolute garbage, and, and Saquon hasn't even come close to returning that value. I think Najee's story is going to be a very similar story, unfortunately. Um... You know, their offensive line is not that good. I, I haven't seen anything this off season that makes me feel like it, it got considerably uh, better. Um, and, you know, I, I think we can't we can't discount the fact that Najee is I, I think he's going to be 24 going into this season. Um, you know, he's already an aging – he's an aging running back, even though he's he's only been in the league for a year. He's got a lot of tread on the tires.
0: Um, you know, I, I just – I can't put him at number two. Okay. I'll put him at number two based on pure volume. I think that he's going to continue to see that same, same amount of volume, especially with Trubisky there. I mean, Trubisky's got so much to learn. I feel like you guys all talk about Trubisky being able to carry receivers – Maybe one. I don't see him carrying more than two receivers throughout the year. So I mean, that just leaves giving the ball to Najee. So I think he's gonna see. I think he's gonna see the ball, and I think he's gonna he's gonna get his. And he's young enough. The fact that we say that these guys are aging at twenty four is wild. I just want to point that out because he's twenty four well, years old. It, it's not you know. a case of him. It's not a case of him.
2: Aging per se, but you compare him to uh, DeAndre Swift, for example, who is I my number
0: two, right? I mean, he already has two years on DeAndre Swift. No, I understand. I understand that. I understand that. But even at twenty-four years old, second year in the league, I mean, that that isn't aging. I think you can't consider a, a player aging until you get to that twenty-six. That twenty-six-year-old running back. So that's why yeah, I mean, think. Naj- I think that's why Najee is going to still be locked and loaded as a top six finish as well. Like, I don't think that he's going to fall below that regardless of who's at the helmet QB in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll share with you guys. I was listening to uh, two points here, one on the, the age of RB. And this is just, um, this is not my research. This is, um, I forget exactly the name. I would shot him out otherwise, but it was done out of um, the university of Michigan again i hope i'm getting that right as either michigan or michigan state somewhere in that area and um what the research that they had on running backs was that age per se didn't matter it didn't correlate as heavily to running back decline as did number of touches that they've had they also went back and they looked at do the touches at the collegiate level matter or is it more the professional level of touches? And I'll go one step further and say that their, their data concluded that the, the touches at the collegiate level did not carry as a significant effect as the touches at the professional level. The bar that they set was 1,500 touches um, as the point in which uh, NFL running back starts to see their decline. Now, there's some running backs who – are at or over that target in the NFL today. Uh, Henry, Melvin Gordon, um, I believe Zeke is are, are the are the ones that jump out that are there. And there's some that are approaching that that are in you know, the 900, thousand 1,100, uh, 1,200 1, um, uh, 1, 1, that, that are around that area. I think Chubb was in the 900 range or something like that. And, and that kind of made me – feel good about the previous trade we were talking about where it's like, okay, he's, he's far, he's far enough away from that number two or three seasons away. The, the other thing too, is, um, the age correlation for Najee to the number of touches he had, even if the collegiate level production or, or wear and tear mattered is if you look at that backfield, um, Najee really wasn't playing, um, because he was behind guys like Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and stuff like that. So it's like, even though he came out at an older age, it's not like he was one of those guys who stayed four years um, and was racking up 250 touches at the collegiate level per season as well. Um, I think he's, I think he's got plenty of tread on the tire. Um, we'll see in terms of, of what the, the offense does and what it looks like for Trubisky but wanted to share the touches information um, or research that I, that I saw and read. And then the second point I wanted to touch on with Najee is the catches. Now I don't know how they're going to work. They're going to operate the offense. I think the scheme that they had last year was not one that Ben um, really fit well into. Um, And I think Ben had a lot to do with, with how the offense was run. I will say I'm looking at the stats from 2018. This is when Trubisky was, was overseeing the bears offense. And I'm not going to go through every running back, but I will highlight you. Tariq Cohen was on the team at the time in 2018. Tariq Cohen had 91 targets and 71 receptions. Um, So I won't go into what Jordan Howard and all those guys got. I'll stick with Tariq Cohen in 2019 who had 104 targets in 79 receptions in 2019. And then in 2020, uh, that was actually Tariq Cohen. If you remember, he had like a peak value, but then he got hurt almost immediately. This was in 2020, Trubisky's last season. So uh, David Montgomery had 68 targets that season, 54 receptions. Cordero Patterson was on the team. And Tariq Cohen, I think, played one or two games before he was injured. So there was probably another, I don't know, uh, 50 or 60 RB targets in there. So Trubisky does see, feel to me like a guy who checks it down. Obviously, 2021, there's no stats because he was a backup for the Bills. But, again, when I looked into that and seeing Trubisky kind of linked there, and I you know, I was like, oh, should I be worried about Najee? I looked into what he did with Tariq, and I was like, well, this guy seems to be checking it down as much as the next guy. So... Um, we'll see how it works out, but, but the, the pass catching, I don't know that it's going to evaporate. I don't, I don't feel that same way. Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy.
0: You want to hear something crazy though about Najee? He had, he had 74 receptions last year, which is just insane. Hmm.
1: He had 300,
0: he had 307 rushing attempts. And then listen to this. Austin Eckler had 70 receptions, who is the next closest to Najee in receptions, but he had 100. Less rushing attempts than Najee. That's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, there was just there was just some insane games, as you know. I think he had a game where he had what, like nineteen targets or something like that.
0: Jeez.
2: Um, Najee's had his best season. He'll he will never have a better season. He already. Wow, that's a
0: hot take, BD. That's a hot take. Second year player is going to be that's his ceiling. That's his ceiling. (laughs) He's already hit his ceiling.
1: Wow, dude. All right. All right. Moving on. Um, here's a, here's a ceiling that's yet to be tapped. Javante Williams, the consensus RB three, uh, Tyler, you ranked Javante as your six. I ranked him as my three. Brian, you ranked him as your five. It spit out a consensus of three. Um, wow. I mean, he's gonna, he is going to explode. if, they don't re-sign a guy to share the workload a la Melvin Gordon. But um, that's not a given. It didn't look like last year, different coaching staff now, but it did not look like last year they were comfortable giving him that entire workload. And maybe that's due to his college profile where he was sharing with uh, Michael Carter um, in North Carolina, but, uh, you guys tell me, uh, is Javante placed appropriately at three? Do we got him too high as a consensus or too low?
0: I think we have him a little too high as consensus as of right now. We just haven't seen enough from him. If if we were able to see his full workload last year, if we were able to get a Najee type sample size, then yeah, I think we would be able to put him at three. But as of right now, I think, um, at least me personally, I don't want to be right where the whole dynasty consensus Twitter is. I'd rather be a little bit different and say, "Hey, let's see this guy work and let's see what he actually can do before we start putting him at the top of the list with all these other elite running back assets." I think Javante has a couple things working against him. He obviously
2: I I, I truly believe Melvin Gordon will be back there um, on at least on, on probably a one to two year deal. I, I, I don't know what he's looking for. He Melvin Gordon that is. He just switched agents. Um, clearly something's, something's not working out in his market there. Maybe it's the fact that he's 29 years old. Um, but, you know, I, I do think ultimately he will be back there. I think the other thing, though, that we have to consider um, is the impact that Russ is going to have on that offense. I, I, I truly believe that in order for Russ to have been traded, he had to okay the destination. I, I don't know whether he had a no trade, clause or not, even if he didn't, I I think Seattle probably was going to do right by him. And I think that you're going to see Russell Wilson really cook this year. Right. Like the whole let Russ cook thing. Like he's, he wanted to get out of a, a run heavy offense. Right. And I think that they're going to give him the opportunity to do that in Denver. And, you know, that may open up some efficiency for Javante, but if he's in a timeshare, um, even if it 's a sixty forty split seventy thirty split, I think that he's going to see less
1: rushing rushing attempts in that offense mm. wow, less rushing attempts okay he did because he did he didn't have a crap ton last year just because he was splitting the work, so you think one at one a he 's going to be splitting again somewhere in two uh or one b rather even with the split, the rushing's going to go down just because the pass attempts are going to be more.
0: Yeah, that's that's
1: my opinion. Mm.
0: Okay. I'd he's toasted if 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 uh, Gordon comes back. I think it's a very difficult situation and uh, not one that any Javante owner for.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Gordon comes back, we need to be very very measured with the expectations. Um, yeah, he might fall out of RB one entirely just because in a exactly 50-50 split backfield, you should be happy with something in the RB50. You should be happy if you finish this as an RB2, quite frankly. And it was so crazy last year. The snaps, the carries per game were like, they made sure it was evenly split. It was like 12 carries each, four catches each, you know, 35 snaps each. It was just so measured. It'll be interesting to see what Nathaniel Hackett and the team does. Um, if Wilson comes in and says... No, I don't stop rotating the guys. I like one guy and and keep him there. And maybe points at Melvin Gordon because he's better in pass pro. I don't know, right? So it'll be very interesting how it shakes out. BD might be right with um, sticking our necks out a bit, having him so high. Yeah, Number four on the consensus is DeAndre Swift. This is where it's going to get a little crazy. Turtle, you got to dead nuts there, right at four. Brian, you got him at two. I personally have him at nine. Wow. I guess that means I should probably go, right? So Jennifer, yeah. Um, first first strike against him, uh, he's on a very bad team. And, and sometimes it's nice to have the only guy who can produce on a team, but I think if you're on a terrible team, even if you're the best guy, your ceiling is limited. Two... I don't think they believe that he can be um, a workhorse. Uh, Nothing that they've shown or said publicly, workloads that they've given him, I don't see him as being able to hit that that upper tier ceiling. His pass catching keeps him afloat because, quite frankly, brass tacks, he is an absolutely horribly inefficient runner. He comes out of uh, a very good, you know, pedigree, school, everything. I don't know what he was doing down there because he he doesn't – I don't see him as having the vision. Maybe he needs to remove the black visor, you know, uh, the tinted visor so he can see out there. He's not an efficient runner. I'm saying a lot of uh, of pretty heavy things. Would I love to have him on my team, fantasy-wise? Absolutely. In real life, I think he is going to have a very measured role um, not only because of too heavy a workload, I think physically both seasons so far he's broken down, but two, I think he's shown that he can excel in one area of the game and you'd be dumb not to use him in that one area of the game and to, to keep pressing him outside of that area is gonna, it's going to take a coach who really wants to dedicate the backfield to one person and I don't see Dan Campbell as that coach. Well, all that being said, if you play that role and you play it very well, you can have a very long NFL career uh, because the between the tackles running is what grinds you down. And he could be around playing in, you know, way past the age of 26 because, you know, he, he just hasn't gotten beat up like, like other backs. And from a dynasty perspective, it might make sense to rank him a little higher just because the longevity in which you'll have someone – being a premier pass catching back and getting um, another six to 11, 12 carries a game. That that's that sample size is very small. So, uh, you guys, let me know if, if nine is too harsh or based on those points. If if uh, you know you guys are feeling you got him too high.
0: No, I think he's going to just be an elite cat pass catching back. You know, I think he's very in line with what. Austin Eckler is, where Austin Eckler really doesn't have like 100-yard rushing games through the tackles, but he does have huge touchdown games where he catches 10 balls, finishes the season with over 50 catches a year, and I think that's going to be very similar to what DeAndre Swift is going to be for the next four years, to be honest with you, because he they got to do signing always...
1: QB then, Turtle. they got to do signing QB because Phillip Rivers and Justin Herber elevated Eckler to where he is. In yeah, Kansas. I agree. They're not going to be able to do it.
0: No, I agree with that. And I think that that's what the Lions' main focus is going to be this year. I mean, as much as people are saying that they're not going to draft a quarterback at the 102 position, I think that they have to. I think that they'd be crazy not to, even with a bad, quote-unquote bad quarterback class. They need, to get it. they need to get it going because they have so many pieces around them. You know, it's not like they're just a a shit team that has no offensive weapons. Yeah. And I think Dan Campbell's a good coach.
1: So segue that to BD. If they go 102 and the assumed pick at the 102 would be Malik Willis, how much does that scare you to one now have a running QB, not a statue Mm. like Goff, and have a guy who just, I mean, they don't generally check down and that's going to – the ideal candidate would be someone like Carson Strong, like an absolute statue who's got an absolute arm, and probably because he's immobile, looks to the safety valve. The, the more mobile quarterbacks, the, the, the short curl that, a, that an RB does, it's going to break down um, for, for the check down game and stuff like that. So, BD, you had him the highest. If the quarterback situation improves, what happens if it's um, uh, improves via Malik Willis? Yeah, no, it's a totally fair point, right? Um, I
2: mean, I I think any time you bring a running quarterback into the offense, right, you're talking about you know better efficiency for the running back, but uh, I I think it probably particularly damages the pass catching backs, um, just because you're not going to see as many dump offs. Those dump offs are going to become you know runs, right? I mean, you see that in. uh, Baltimore, for example, right? J.K. Dobbins is not a pass catching back, right? He's he's just a just a he's a runner, right? At the end of the day, guys. I think how, the value... how
1: how big of a how much does Malik Willis to Detroit just feel like? That's such a Detroit Lions pick. Nah,
2: I, I don't think so. I, uh, I, I I put I put it at five percent. I just – I don't think that that's in I, – I don't think Campbell is going to make that pick. That doesn't feel to me like a Campbell pick. But I, I might be wrong.
0: I don't know. I, I, I like I like, I like him ending up in Detroit. I think they have the weapons to, to be a very good team in that league, especially with the only uh, other good team in that division being, you know, Green Bay. And they don't even have any wide receiver help. So, like, the, they can compete. <laughs> I think they can compete. If they get the right guy there.
2: So to me, right, Swift's value is not necessarily that he's ever going to top out as the RB1, right? I I will be the first to admit that. But I think Swift's value is, and Turtle, you made this point, it's it's, pass-catching backs are not going to take the same punishing hits as the guys who run between the tackles. So their longevity Mm -hmm. in the league is going to be greater than those that are running between the tackles. So you can see DeAndre Swift – potentially being a viable pass catching op- option in that offense for six years, seven years, right? Like, I mean, he could, he could be doing this job at a relatively high efficiency level for a very long period of time, which I, to me, right, that's where his dynasty value comes into play, being higher than some of these other guys, because he is so young, and that's the role that he excels at. Right? Yeah, He he is Austin Eckler 2.0, I think is a great analogy. Yeah,
1: and, and, and it, it's true. In a dynasty format, if you can only safely project any RB at any age for two to three years safely, if you feel that, hey, this RB is built different because of his role and I can project <laughs> double that, if I can project five to six years, there's a hell of a lot of value where... Yeah, you don't need to be the RB one to RB six, maybe even. But if you, if I can confidently pencil you for six to twelve, well, there's there's a there's a hell of a lot of value in just having that stable floor. So I definitely see that argument. All right, guys, keeping it moving. We got the RB five, uh, Christian McCaffrey turtle ranked as number three. I wonder if there's some bias there as the as the McCaffrey owner. Um, as I say that, I should take it back because Brian also has him ranked as three. And me, again, being the, the Debbie Downer, ranked McCaffrey as my RB11. So why don't you two go um, tell me about the ceiling. Tell me about anything I don't know about McCaffrey that's, that's going to convince me that he should be a top three dynasty back off the board.
0: Yeah, I mean, full-blown hypothetical, obviously. If he stays healthy, he is still a top three back. I don't care what anybody else says because he's also in another position, just like Eckler, just like Swift, where he's going to be catching most of his passes. And, and that's where he's going to be getting most of his um, his fantasy numbers from. He's, he's going to be – I don't think he's going to be running through the tackles as much as he did once in the past. I think that's the only way they're going to utilize him. They're going to utilize him on the um, out routes on the swings, and they're going to just keep pounding him the ball. And I'll be happy, I'll be so happy if they start giving Donta Foreman – some of the goal line carries to preserve this man because he is such a special talent, and he has gotten such a shit end of the stick that all I want to see, regardless if he's on my team, I want the haters to just be shut, be be quiet about it because I think that he can be so effective in what he does
2: yeah, I, I think this is i mean the, so general statement i I found that ranking. The top 12 running backs, you know, I could easily go to uh, 18 and and move a lot of these guys around. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know about you guys to me. Right. Like the, this history of running backs not being uh, a deep. Right. And running back being a position of like scarcity. I think that actually right now we're, we're in a, a, a glut of running backs. I mean, there, there are easily 18 to 20 guys that I could see finishing in the top 12 running back conversation for the next couple of years. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, first to say that I think CMC, you know, for me at three is, is just purely what he can be. Right. I think that I, I, could just have easily put him at nine and said, yeah, he's a big injury risk at this point, And I, and I just can't, I can't place him there. Right. But I still believe in the talent. I still believe that the situation is going to be one that, you know, he's going to be the guy. Um, he's never, yeah. You know, so I, I think if like, like turtle said, if, if, if the last two years have been fluky and he's fully healthy now and he stays fully healthy, to me, he's, he is
1: a top three running back, uh, without a doubt. Yep. Right? But and I don't disagree he... with a single word that you guys have said. But what I did, or at least I'll, I'll just – and we got to move on. My mindset when I ranked him RB11 was simply, if I'm in a dynasty startup, considering both the ceiling and the floor of McCaffrey – Who else was I comfortable taking ahead of him? Because for me, when I I I tried to keep that two to three year span in in terms of forecasting in mind with most of my ranks, when I got to McCaffrey and I needed to slot him in, looking beyond this one year was too hard, just based on recency bias of the injury. So or injuries, so. I kind of looked at him and the rest of the names in terms of redraft, which was who would I, you know, who would I be taking before McCaffrey in terms of I'm building a team, trying to win this one year, this one off. And if I get that early pick wrong, I'm screwed. I I don't, it's not like dynasty. It's um, where I can keep him around for another year and have a go at it. Like, he was the one guy where I took off my dynasty hat and was looking like who else would I rather have that I have more confidence in because I think projecting McCaffrey in the three-year range man I just don't see it I don't think he can be like Swift or maybe even Kamara who could catch passes for a long long time I think McCaffrey would not want that role Um, so that's why I put him low I just said you know when I'm looking at other guys I'm looking at you know um, Chubb and Eckler and Mick, all these guys I'm like I'd rather have those guys before I would have McCaffrey um, so you know nothing nothing wild or, or crazy inflammatory it's not like I don't believe in the talent it's not that I don't believe he can stay healthy I think he might have had some bad luck but um, being risk averse in, in that sense uh, that's the direction I went
0: yeah, I respect that. I respect being being risk averse because he's been just nothing but a disappointment for all fantasy managers for the past two years. So you know, consensus has shown that everybody's scared off from him. You know, and mm-hmm. hopefully that could hopefully that could change this year because he is something special to watch. And you know, we all want to see that special player. You know, again,
1: yeah, we do. So the next two that we have. Uh, six and seven. will we'll treat them back to back. They, they they seem a very similar tier of running back. Um, that's the way they came out on our consensus anyway. With Austin Eckler at six, Joe Mixon at seven. I had Austin. I had Joe Mixon as my four. Austin Eckler as my seven. Uh, Brian had him back to back, right with our consensus. Joe Mixon six. Austin Eckler seven. So just flipped off, flipped the consensus six and seven. Um, Tyler, your rankings really moved Joe Mixon down. You had him down at 11 and you had Austin Eckler up at five. Um, I think all the points we made about DeAndre Swift kind of carry over to Eckler. So, um, you know, what do you guys want to add there? Good pass catcher gets goal line work linked with an elite quarterback with a coach that takes risks and treats football like it's a four down game and not a three down game it's great he's he's awesome he's truly awesome Eckler. um and then you got mixon who you know uh, depending on what Cincy he wants to do that week they can feed him the ball 35 times or they can feed him the ball 12 so maybe there's some some thought behind your 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 disparity in the range that you are ranked him turtle but brian and i were certainly tighter in our ranks with those two what led you to rank mixon almost out of your top 12 You know what, I think really what it came down
0: to is that I just think some of these other guys that are higher on the list are better than Mixon, and I like Mixon, there's nothing wrong with Mixon at all, I think he's a great player, I would love to have him on my team, but some of these other guys that are ranked higher are just, I prefer them, it was a a preference type thing, because I know Mixon, at one point we all thought Mixon was made of glass, kind of like CMC, kind of like Saquon, he definitely disproved that last year and played a full year. But for whatever reason, in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, maybe this is Mixon's year to not do so well and be the injured one. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just, I just pop him down.
2: I'm totally opposite. I think Mixon is uh, so. I, I don't think that I found a a case where there was a repeat RB1, except for maybe CMC for a couple of years. I, I can't remember. But it is very rare for an RB to repeat as the RB1 year over year in fantasy. I think that Joe Mixon is this year's RB1 overall.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a heavy that's a heavy statement, man. So it's exactly. just
1: Barrow's going to be moving him up and down the field, and, and Mix is going to stay healthy and he's going to get everything because he doesn't really share the backfield. He doesn't. Yeah, get and I, I, I understand. I, yeah, look, I understand at the, look at that
2: offensive line. They have they have he's made proved. every investment in that offensive line this this offseason. Like they, he's going to have a wall to run behind.
0: Huh.
1: And the guy in our league happens to be the resident owner of both Mixon and Eckler. So he's, he's, swift and swift and swift. So someone's living a charmed life if we're that high on him, but I I see the argument. I mean, I think they're going to be, I think, I think they're going to be able to move the ball up and down the field extremely easily. I think as Brian said, I kind of left my mind for a bit, but they improved that offensive line and that's just not just helping Mixon In the running game, that's going to allow Barra to to stand back there with much more time, take less sacks. And the more first downs you convert, the more snaps your players are on the field. And the more snaps are on the field, the more fantasy points they're going to yield you. So that, you know, even the passing game is going to help Mixon eventually because those drives are going to get extended. Yeah, but I also do think that Mixon's uh, rush attempts are going to go down
0: next year he had 292 he was third in the league in rush attempts. So i feel like that's gonna have to go down because they're so heavily involved in the passing game with with higgins and chase so you yeah. know what i just started i just started popping him down my, my rankings a bit because i just i don't see him doing the same thing he did this year I, as much as brian says that he's gonna be rb1 i'm just not seeing it okay yeah, no, there, there's a lot of targets
2: that need to go to hayden Hurst over there
1: so <laughs> big hayden Sladen. All right, next, uh, next two, we'll treat them as back-to-back because we touched on them in our previous trade breakdown. It's Nick Chubb at 8, Antonio Gibson at 9. Uh, Turtle, you had Chubb at 7, and Gibson just making the cut at 12. I had Chubb at 5, and Gibson just making the cut at 12. And BD, you had Gibson 9 and Chubb just making the cut at 12, giving in the consensus Chubb the slight edge um, uh, at at RB8 versus Gibson at RB9. Uh, we talked a little bit about both of these guys in depth, so maybe we move on a little quicker. But Gibson in Washington, Chubb in Cleveland, any final parting thoughts or Eight and nine seem respectable. Obviously, Gibson, dynasty ranks, uh, comes in about three for three full years younger uh, than Chubb.
0: But Nick Chubb has the much better offensive line. Okay. And who can trust the Washington Commanders who have never even played a full game in the NFL with that name? It's tough. <laughs> I,
2: I think... To me, it was an age thing, right? And, and I shared my perspective on, on Chubb earlier, right? So I to me, that, that, that speaks to my rankings.
1: Yeah. So we're moving into an interesting tier now where the next few guys in our consensus rankings are like, they've been around for a bit. They're names that are not going to be new to anyone. Uh, we got a tie at 10 in terms of our weight, consensus weight, Back-to-back, same exact weighting of Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara at 10 overall. So, Turtle, you had Kamara at 9, Dalvin at 8, okay? Mm -hmm. And, BD, you had Kamara at 10 and Cook at 11. And I didn't rank either of them in the top 12. So... Uh, from a dynasty perspective, what what drew me to that conclusion? I'll just go first. Um, agent injury for Cook. I just, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if I'm looking at dynasty players, I'd rather have someone with what I perceive to be a higher ceiling. I think we might have started to see the decline in Cook last year where he had, you know, a relatively – healthy-ish season, you know, for, from uh, Dalvin Cook's standard. And, man, he wasn't all that effective. I mean, if, if he went out and got you 10 to 12 points, it was like, oh, that was a good Dalvin week. You know, he, he wasn't popping like he used to be Say for that one game against uh, Pittsburgh where everyone was gassing Pittsburgh at that point in the season. Then for me with Kamara, there's a lot of unknowns around, around the team. Um, again, risk-averse, I just thought. You got the, the off-the-field issues. You got the QB questions. You got possibly one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I just He doesn't seem like an attractive asset. There's been plenty of times where I've gone into the sleeper app started to you know okay let me look at kamara trade you know you get to the blocks and you know like okay what i <laughs> collect on my side and it's like oh like i don't want to give anyone up for kamara i don't want to give anyone up for cook it's just like it makes me like physically uneasy to try to take one of those assets on so i just i i said you know what if i feel that way i'm just going to take them out of my top 12 and i'm going to put assets there that i feel more comfortable that's my defense. I, I want to give it over to you guys, and you can let me know how I'm crazy. I have
2: zero conviction in my rank at, at this point in the, the ranking, right? I mean, 10, 11, 12, all, all the way up through uh, what I would say is 18. I could as easily flip-flop those guys with just, you know, the blow of the blow of the wind, right? Yeah. Um, You know, Kamara and Cook, I just put there because they've done it, and they've done it at a high level in the past. Um, You know, tomorrow, if you ask me, the wind blows a different direction, and I'm talking (laughs) James Conner and Saquon's up there, Brees Hall, right? I mean – I challenge the
1: both of you, do the exercise that I said I did. When you're – before you fall asleep, pop open the sleeper app. Start to create a trade for either Cook or, or Kamara, and just feel how difficult it is to even press set. Oh, I, like, I, you're I, almost I, scared that yeah. they will accept your trade. <laughs> I've I have been engaged in trades for both of them at
2: points this offseason, and neither of them have felt particularly clean.
1: Yeah, it so. just—it's like, man. If even if I send this, am I going to be happy when I get a, a notification that a trade is pending? Like, I, or am I going to be like, what did I just do?
2: But, so, but to me, it's no—I yeah, yeah, I feel the same dirtiness whether I'm talking Lenny or Saquon or Connor or Henry yeah. or Dobbins. Like, I, I feel equally as dirty with any of those guys.
1: Yeah, we're yeah. out of the range of. Yeah, we're out of the range of where we're feeling very comfortable. All right, yeah. so. Going on, number 12 in our rankings, rounding out the top, is Derrick Henry. Uh, and if I'm looking at this, Derrick Henry was only ranked by me. You guys did not rank him. I ranked him at six. Again, this was another Christian McCaffrey-type look where I said, I don't know, he just uh, – what can we say? He. I just feel like he's built different. I feel like – the 1500 carry rule does not apply that applies to running backs. And I don't know what Derek Henry is. He is not a regular human being. We all know that he's been doing this since his, his high school days. And honestly, guys, if there's ever going to be a running back who is putting up the, the Frank Gore or the Emmett Smith type, you know, this guy's just around. He's just, always there Adrian Peterson like he's playing in well into his 30s I really can't pick a better guy than Derrick Henry so are his days as the RB1 overall done maybe maybe not maybe age 28 and 29 season he's still elite and then he's just you know whatever I don't know RB 15 to 24 for another few years just because he's there and he's big and now he's you know, get it. He might be sharing uh, some of his workload, but he's still around. I could see it. So that's the narrative that I spun where I was like, I think he's still going to be elite at least this season, if not next as well. Um, but then after that, from a dynasty perspective, I think he could stick around. I, I, I can't give you a better example than who, if you had to pick another AP or Emmett or Frank Gore, one of those guys that just sticks around, who, who would you, I wouldn't put my money on Zeke or Cook or or someone like that. I'd put it on Derek. So hmm. that's a solid you know, analysis. He's he's, I, he's
0: just a workhorse.
2: I I think that Tennessee is drafting the heir apparent this year. Yeah.
1: It would be interesting. Let's see what they do. I, I've I've heard some scuttlebutt to the same where um, they might be making some succession plan, and it, maybe maybe they do right. Brian and the Titans need to make that business decision. Um, and that's when Emmett leaves the Cowboys. That's when uh, Peterson leaves the Vikings, but he's still playing. It's when Gore leaves the 49ers and they're still around. So I, I, we'll see. Yeah. I'm that's sure a lot of teams would be ready to, to have Derrick Henry you know, uh, on their on their squad, even if he's a 29-year-old RB with a foot injury.
0: And the king is unobtainable in our personal league. We cannot, <laughs> we cannot attain that guy no matter what we do.
1: Yeah, that is wild. Um, So number 13, again, just a guy that I ranked by myself that got him to 13. It was James Conner. I ranked him as my number eight. Uh, Guys, I I don't know. Like, it was kind of like I was not a James Conner fan last year. I thought the year in in Pittsburgh was a little bit of a fluke. But here we are. He just had what? I think the RB – 5 overall in half-point PPR scoring. Chase Edmonds leaves. Eno Benjamin's there. I could see them maybe getting another, uh, maybe a pass catcher in there. I don't know that they'd get a between the tackles grinder. They just gave him, I don't know, I forget what it was, 21 million or 30 million or 24, somewhere in that range. He's going to be around. I I just looked at it and I said, good offense, good QB. They're going to be moving down the field. He's the goal line guy. He catches passes like, I mean, give me James Conner as, 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 you know, a, a top eight RB. Like, I, I could see it falling that way this season again and, and possibly even next season. So, um, I don't know. Did you guys just, just feel he was kind of muddled in that whole group and you guys went with the veterans, like you said, with Cook and Kamara over him? Or um, did you feel like, you know, there was something you just didn't like about Conner?
0: I just don't know if Connor's gonna repeat what he did last year. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't feel it. I know that he, he looked very good last year. He got all of the receiving work and all of the uh the goal line carries. But yeah, we all know that his, his his touchdown numbers were inflated, so I think that's gonna play a crucial role in where he lands in the rankings this year. I definitely think he'll still be a top ten running back, top fifteen, like in the numbers, but not for dynasty purposes. I don't I don't want him for dynasty.
2: Yeah, I think he's got some regression coming at the touchdown department. I think you also have to give, give credit to the fact that Chase Edmonds was hurt for a good portion of the season, so he really was the only guy there. Um, I do think that they're going to draft a, uh, a replacement, J, uh, replacement Edmonds, right? Um, and that guy is going to step into that role and, and take the passing work that Connor got. Um, so I think with with the touchdown regression, plus not getting the receiving work, I, I just I couldn't find it in my heart to put it in my top 12.
1: OK. All right. Good. I mean, I, I, I think all these viewpoints are valid once we get down into this. And it's, it's actually you know, good to hear some other viewpoints than, than just what I was thinking. Now, the next three. I uh, it's all again one of us rank them individually, so we'll turn it over to that person. Um, our RB, actually, this is, was tied with Connor at thirteen. Um, so Connor and Acres both uh, were ranked by one person, and were ranked as the RB eight by each person. So they tied at RB thirteen in consensus. Which Brian, you rank Cam Acres at eight? Why don't you give us the rundown on Cam?
2: Yeah, so I think,
1: um, you know, actually, you know,
2: Cam is probably my James Conner, mm-hmm. uh, right? I, I think that he's in a situation where um, the offense is really, really good. Uh, he's going to get the volume. I, I don't see any any way that he doesn't get the volume. Uh, the Rams don't have the draft capital to go out and spend on another running back this year. Um. So he's the guy, uh, you know, there's a known quantity behind him in and Henderson and, and they haven't shown a propensity to give him, you know, any considerable amount of work if they can, if they can avoid it, um, you know, sh- shown partially by the, the trade for Sonny Michelle last year when Henderson was, was going to be the guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, I just, I think it's a case of he's going to get the volume. He's going to get the work and he's, uh 3 years younger than James Conner right so to me like that that would be the weighing factor in in that particular you know if i'm looking at James Conner and saying okay he's he's going to get uh he's going to lose the passing down work um same same as acres
0: probably will with henderson you know the the weighing factor there to me is just age right i think if i think if you put acres in in the top eight for dynasty i think you have to put dobbins in there and i think you also have to put aj Dillon at the bottom of that list as well because i think both of those guys are just as good as acres if not better dobbins scares the living hell out of me. me too me too he scares me as well i agree with you on that but i think that if his talent is what people think it is, and he does what he did those last couple games of the season before he got injured. Um, I think he's right there with Acres. The difference for me is we've
2: seen Acres be able to come back and play the season that he had the Achilles injury, right? And yeah, I, I know a free. My, he's a freak. He's a freak. He's a freak. I know everything about the Achilles injury. You know, I've I've done a bunch of reading on the new uh, medical pr- procedures that allow. You know, Acres to start. I mean, the, the big problem with Achilles is that it causes a lot of muscle atrophy, right? Because people can't be weight—you can't be weight bearing for the first like four months, right? Yeah. That's a huge impact to running backs. Acres was weight bearing within a month, right? Because of new technologies around how they're doing the Achilles surgeries, right? So I, I think Achilles injuries are going to change. Um, you know, you you even see guys like Mac and Foreman coming back, right? Um, that wasn't the case. That wasn't traditionally the case. And acres and we've seen Dobbins. I don't know, man. I, I, he's already even being considered for the pup to begin the season. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I, 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 I was reading something the other day about how, you know, players with ACL injuries tend to have a extremely shortened shelf life of their careers. Right. Even if they come back and, and provide some amount of value Right. The ACL does ultimately limit their career in some way. So Dobbins just he he I he I can't get there with Dobbins.
1: Yeah. Any any knock on an RB's shelf life is concerning just because we know that their shelf life is already small is a small window as it is. So if you're going to knock down it even further with an injury or limit effectiveness because of an injury, um, definite red flag. All right. So last two tied for 50th in our rankings. Again, we're just covering everyone who is ranked in the respective top 12s. That's why we're outside of the top 12 now. But double tie at 15. So this is 15 slash 16. But um, both at 15, we had Brees Hall and Saquon Barkley. Brees Hall ranked by me as number 10 and Tyler uh, Barkley by you at number 10. I'll go first with Hall. Obviously hasn't taken a single snap. Um, Not a lot of hope for him to go into a backfield and seize a backfield um, day one. I think where that opportunity really exists is really only in Houston. And I don't know that you're really happy with him in Houston. Um, I think there's a lot of hope that he goes to somewhere like Atlanta and they get a year two jump or to Buffalo and they make, again, um, you know, Singletary obsolete, or there's some changing of the guard, like a Jonathan Taylor second half of the season type thing when then, and then Singletary is done. But I think that's a little bit fan fantastical him landing in Buffalo is, is, is probably more fun to write about than in reality for Buffalo to, to spend uh, a top pick Buffalo doesn't have problem scoring points. They, and they've, they've made a lot of moves getting in Crowder, replacing Beasley, um, locking in Diggs, And, um, it seems they want more of a pass catching back compliment based on their overtures for, for McKissick. So I could probably see him going for um, a pass catching back in the draft. So I don't see hall landing there, but I do see him wherever he goes. Ultimately, being a three-down back, uh, maybe using his um, partial redshirt season to, to learn the role of, of pass protection um, from, from a, from a high-quality uh, running backs coach and being given the torch year, too. However, based on everything that he's got from a metrics and measurable standpoint and from a prospect rating profile, is he's a very, very good running back, um, and he is so, so young. Um, 20 years old or turning 21 soon which is crazy because we're talking about age and and, and shelf life and viability and everything so he's got a lot of that going for him just to give you a comparison there's another guy running back in this upcoming draft Um, Pierre Strong you guys have probably heard his name thrown around not an elite level prospect probably not a day one or two pick he comes from a very small college but that guy is 25 years old right now he has not played a snap in the nfl by the end of his first season he is going to be 26 which we talk about as the potential running back cliff right um so just to give you both rookies 125 120 one pushing 26 one pushing 21 i don't know there's not a lot of talent profiles um that go into the nfl as that young you know so I just threw him up there in the top 12. Maybe he should have been 12 instead of 10 now that I'm talking out loud about it, but wanted him at least on the list. So hmm. uh, bring us home with uh, with with Barkley, Turtle.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just going to put my chips in Brian Dabble, and I think that Saquon still has the elite talent to be a great running back in the NFL. Just like I hope that Dabble fixes Daniel Jones, I hope he also fixes Saquon, and for that reason, I will put him in the top 12 for one more year. I will give him one more chance, and if he disappoints me, he's dead to me. <laughs> he's dead, too. Yep. Alright,
1: Brian. Brian, um, Comments on Barkley and Hall?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that Saquon is a special talent, but for whatever reason, that talent hasn't translated to the NFL. And um, I don't think the Giants have done him any favors in not giving him a solid offensive line to run behind. And, um, you know, now couple that with the ACL injury, right, that I just sort of talked about with Dobbins. I think Saquon's going to have the same problem there. And, you know, the burst was his M.O. And if the burst isn't there anymore, then, you know, What what is Saquon?
0: Two years Um, removed
2: is all I can say. Two years removed. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, we'll see. Um, and then Brees Hall, I, I, to me, right, uh, he could be the one that really shoots up this board, and we're looking at him in the same conversation as Javante. You know, next season, um, you know, if he ends up in a timeshare where he's getting forty or sixty percent, and his efficiency is way up there and, you know, he's clearly being groomed to be the guy. I think, you know, he's, he's a easy, you know, potential top 12. He's got the intangibles. It's just the, it's, it's the unknown there for me. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot, definitely a lot of unknown with, uh, with Hall and Barkley and and a few of these other guys too. So All right, guys, that is the Consensus Top 12, and we extended it beyond to just cover our individual Top 12s as well. Um, So a lot of interesting takes and and viewpoints there. Um, We're definitely going to have to to revisit the divisional team breakdown because we're over our time today. Any, Any final thoughts or words from you guys or good to go?
0: I think we're good. Good here.
1: All right, guys, thank you. Um we'll talk to you next time thanks for listening bye bye
0: bye bye